If you want to go to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, I, uh, be as honest with you, this, this morning I, I should have stopped and just, just called us all to prayer. I felt this morning there was just um, almost a, an incredible spirit of um, oppression here this morning, a fog in my own head, a fog in the, in the, in the room, and we say, Brother Hooker, you're spooky, but no, I don't think so. I think, I think we're in a spiritual battle. Right. And sometimes uh, we just kind of open the door and, and let, let the wrong thing in. And, uh, and so uh, I'm just um, 
I, I believe that I prayed some today and prayed about it today and, and walked on the property today and, and uh, prayed. And so uh, I, feel, I feel like we're in a bit, much better place tonight. And, uh, and I, I, I'm excited to, to preach to you tonight. And especially this message, um, somebody uh, made a comment to me earlier today and and I had a message prepared for tonight, and, and I don't remember if it's the exact same comment, but this is the comment that came to my mind, and uh, this is the title that I have for tonight, Don't Give Up on God Because He's Not Giving Up on You. Amen. Don't give up on God because He has not given up on you. If you look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless tonight. And Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. Dear God, I need you. I need your presence, your power. And I ask you right now, Spirit of God, that you would fill me from the top of my head, the sole of my feet, and every fiber of my being. Lord, my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth, my tongue, my, my mind, my heart. Fill me, Spirit of God. Father, I ask that you would fill this place and touch the ears and the hearts of the people here. And Lord, I pray that tonight, through what's said or done here tonight, that somebody would be encouraged, somebody would be uh, inspired, somebody would be helped. Dear God, I ask you to do that, please. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Such a, a simple verse, but such an encouraging verse. It just simply says that we just got to keep going. When you get weary, anybody get weary around here? I've been mighty, mighty weary, and I'll be honest with you, I felt incredibly weary this morning, and I'm not, not sure exactly why, but you know, it's been a lot of going, a lot of traveling, a lot of things that I've had to do and trying to get done, and still got some more need to get done. I, I, I really want to visit a couple of more uh, colleges. We've got some, some young people that are considering those things, and so I've got to get to them. I've got to see them. I, I've got to have wisdom. I promised myself that's what I do, and so I'm just going to have to make it happen. And so I'm, I'm, I'm probably this next week, two or three, I'll be taking off for a couple of days to go drive to a, another college or two and, and try to find out, really try to observe and see what's going on. But as I looked at this, I thought, you know, God's just said, he said, you know, if you just hold on, he said, in due season. That's a crucial statement because it's God's timing, not our timing. And, and that's what gets really, really hard, especially as we're going through, through things. I, well, I'll be honest with you, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, ready, I'm ready for the crowd to be doubled already, okay? I've been here a whole year. This thing's, you know, I, that's kind of the way... Uh, I am. I, I'm, I just want it to happen. And uh, uh, my wife is more slow-paced, but um, that's supposed to be humorous. Uh, anybody that knows her knows that she just, she basically just comes to the church and just runs around. And I just, uh, I just throw a lasso around her every once in a while and pull her back. And so uh, we, we had to do that up there where we were for all those years. There's so many things to get involved in. And my wife, she would take on this responsibility. She'd take on this responsibility. Then she'd take on this responsibility. She'd take on this responsibility. And then finally, I'd call her back in, and I'd say, sit down. Okay, we're going to eliminate these. And she'd look at me like, oh, I can't. And I'd say, oh, yes, you can. 
and she'd have to, we'd have to eliminate, you know, about half of what she was doing so she could just regroup because everything she, that comes her way, man, she gets a vision for it, and uh, I get really tired listening to her. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but some reasons that we faint. Why do we faint? Well, you know, number one reason that we faint is that our eyes are in the wrong place. You know, that we faint very simply because our eyes become on us and our situation rather than on God. Uh, because he, he, he promises that uh, this battle is his. We'll get to that, though. But the n- number one reason we faint, there's one reason, not the number one reason. One reason we faint is, there, is fear. It's fear of failure. You know, every one of us likes to succeed in everything that we do. I mean, uh, you know, we like to be successful. And uh, sometimes we don't do things simply or get involved in things or don't try things because we're just afraid to. We're just afraid, and you say, well, I'm just, okay, Uh, it's what I, leading singing. I told him, I said, I'm trying to learn to lead singing. And none of you were an encouragement to me because I did it Wednesday night, and not one of you came up and said, oh, Brother Hooker, that was good. Nobody, nobody, nobody said that was better than I expected. Nobody said, oh, I didn't know you could lead singing. What does that mean? I know what it means. I know what it means. You're being very kind, and it's better to say nothing at all than to say something hurtful. And so, uh, yeah, so I really, I thought, man, that's so disappointing. I really tried hard, and, and not, a, not a word. God bless you. Thank you. But you say, why, why do I hesitate? Why do I hold back from trying to do that kind of thing? I'm scared to death of it. Why? I'm scared I'm going to look like a total fool. And then y'all helped me Wednesday night prove that I did. So, but the fear of failure. Number two is skepticism. You just basically say, God could never use me. You just, some of you out here, it's amazing what God would do if you just turn loose and let him do it. But you just don't believe he can. You, you just don't believe he will. And it, it's skeptical. It, no, uh, the number three is, is and I kind of have my own little uh, definition here, but cynicism. Uh, I think it's, you know, God will bless others, not me. God's for everybody else, but he's not for me. And, and again, if you're at that, at that point, I beg you, that's not the way our God is. He's for you, amen? He wants to use you. You just got to believe it. And number four is insecurity. Someone else can do it better than me. Well, that's me about song, lady. Someone else can do it better than me, unless he's not here. And so, uh, no, I just, you know, someone else can do it better. I don't want to do it because surely someone else can do it better. Uh, And number five is negativism. It did not work before. It won't work now. And that's kind of the way I feel after Wednesday night. It didn't work then. Probably gonna, not going to work this coming Wednesday night. No, it's, uh, it, it's that just the feeling that uh, my wife says this in counseling to ladies. She says, you know, so many ladies have this attitude that uh, if one man hurt me, then all men are bad. Well, you know, that's negativism. No, that's not true. That's not a true statement. You, why don't, if you got one bad box of, of, of cereal from Kroger, then just don't ever go back there again. Because surely all boxes of cereal are bad at Kroger. Y- y'all understand anything I'm saying? This has been a rough day today. If it wasn't for this man up here, I, you know, I wouldn't even know that people were in this room. A little a grunt or something or go, wow. All right. Wow, yeah. With sincerity. 
Number six is lack of determination. I tried. Folks, please, 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 I hate hearing I tried. You know, look, you say, well, how else am I going to do it unless I tried? No, just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Because if you try, you probably, that's all you're going to do is you're going to try. But if you decide I'm going to do it, listen, doing it includes trying, but it's a different mentality. I'm going to keep trying until I do it. But if I just say, I'll try, no, that usually means I'll give it a shot. When it doesn't work, then I'm going to quit. Okay, the next one is it's too hard, too much work to continue. Uh, that's a lot of, honestly a lot of reason that some people in the Christian life just don't, don't keep going. They say, you know, they, look, getting saved is real easy. Trusting Christ is real easy. Salvation was made real easy by Jesus. He did all the hard stuff. We just got to do the believing in Him and the receiving of Him. Uh, that's real easy. But living for God day by day, moment by moment, that can be hard. And, uh, you know, it's just we got to continue. Uh, number eight, and I already kind of hit that, it's too long. How long do you expect me to keep going like this? And I hear this statement, how long do you just keep expect me to live like this? How long do you keep expecting me to, to do this? As long as God wants you to. You just keep doing it. Now, as I said, these are all based on who our eyes are upon, ourself, or on Christ. One person said, and we're just talking about making it and surviving. One person said, being defeated is often temporary. Giving up makes it permanent. Do you hear what I said? Being defeated is often temporary, but giving up makes it permanent. Thomas Edison said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Do you know, the the truth is, is that so many people, and I've, I've counseled this for so long, but if, if so many people, if, okay, can y'all turn around enough to watch this? Here's what most people do. They're going through life, Christian life, and it gets tough, and it gets hard, and, uh, and uh, I can't find him. Where'd Josh go? There's Josh. <laughs> All right, come here, Josh. And as we start going through life, jump on my back, Josh. Come on, Josh. Would you jump on up on my back? <laughs> Come on. Good night, son. You can't be aboard. <laughs> now, we start going through life, and, and it gets kind of tough, and uh, the monkey kind of jumps on your back. And you think, man, this is getting really hard. But, you know, right there, that destination is, is the door. That's what I'm looking for. But I'm, I'm kind of getting weary right now because I got this burden on me. And this burden, the longer you carry it, the heavier it gets. Did you know that? Because I'm getting really tired right now. But here's the thing. So many people, they struggle, they struggle, they struggle. And you're going to have to turn all the way around and you're not going to see this. I, pr- I probably should have gone to the door at the front over here. But... but you get all the way to the door, and you just say, I can't, I can't do this anymore. But here's the problem. God says, a faithful man shall abound with blessing. He didn't say when. 
He didn't say how long to be faithful. And here's what I believe has happened to a whole lot of people. They got right to the door of blessing. And if they just opened it, they would have seen the most incredible blessing, but they quit right before they got to it. They gave up right before they got to it. Thanks, Josh. That's the most non-emotional burden I've ever had. Man, it's going to kind of shape on me right now I'm breathing hard. That's, that's terrible. Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 20, 24, 16 says, For just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. That means when he falls, it's devastation, but the just man falls and he, he rises up again. God didn't say you're not going to fall. God says, when you fall, get up. Get up. Um, that's, just, that's just what life is, is get up. The first aspect is consider is if we do not give up, if we decide not to give up, if, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Go look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. And believe it or not, I'm really planning on uh, being done on time tonight. Has that ever worked? <laughs> you better wait to applaud till that time. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14 says this, Wherefore he saith, Awakest thou that sleepeth and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Look at verse 15. See then that thou walk, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Not giving up. How do we not give up? Here's, here's number one is this. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity you have. You know, I don't know, none of us knows whether we've got tomorrow. None of us knows how much time we got. Joe Beth has said this so many times over really the last 10 years, but... She says and she prays. She says, Lord, we don't know how many more years we've got, but please help us to make, do something for you worthwhile in the years that we have. In the time that we have. You know, that's, that's saying we're going to take advantage. Of, and that's part of the reason I think she's so driven. I think she's so driven to do so much because we want to try to accomplish everything that we possibly can. Uh, I'm driven. She drives me. And so, no. The fact is, is that we want to get everything done that we can while we can. That's what redeeming the time is. God says, look, you don't know how many moments you got. Take advantage of the moments that you have. Number two, continue making the most of every opportunity, for the opportunity does not lessen, it increases. Look, uh, you know, opportunities are going to continue to come, and if you take advantage of the opportunity, I believe greater opportunities come. And if you use it, if you'll continue taking advantage of the opportunities that come, God will continue to send greater opportunities. Now, number three, we must redeem the time for time waits for no man. Anybody notice that? I heard this all my life from older folks. Man, time is flying by. And I think, that don't make sense. Man, it takes forever to get to summer so we can play. 
It takes, you know, it takes forever to get to Christmas. I mean, Christmas just, it don't ever get here. Can I just tell you, it flies by. It's insane. It's crazy how fast it goes. Now, time waits for no time. will move on. What we do with the moments is up to us because time's going to continue to go. What are we doing with the time that we have? How much time, honestly, is wasted by all of us? And I'm not saying that you got to be working, working, working all the time. I think joy and I think uh, relaxation and I think some enjoyment time with your family and, and I think sleep is good. Amen? I think that you'll probably have more days to work, God, Lord willing, if you get some rest now and then. I, I went way too long without enough rest for too many years and broke broke my health. I think it still affects me today. I think it's part of the reason I was weary this morning is because if I go too far, I just, I kind of, I'll call it crash and burn. I just, I'm devastated. And, and, and it goes all the way back to a, a time in my life where I just thought I didn't have to sleep. I didn't need to sleep. I would go from Friday all the way to Monday without sleep because I got stuff I got to do. Well, that's crazy. Let me just help you. That's crazy. Don't do it. Now, remember, we cannot get weary in well-doing. Weariness makes cowards of us all. Weariness will cause us to consider one of the, the emotions and feelings that I've already described. It will cause us to, to, to fear failure. It will cause us to be uh, skeptical and cynical and, and, and insecure and negative. And, and it will cause us to have lack of determination. And, and it will cause us just to get weary in the, in the length and waiting for the, the good thing to happen. But God says don't, don't get caught up in these things. Redeem every moment considering whether to continue the fight is a moment lost in the battle. Listen to that. Every moment you consider whether to continue to fight, that's a moment of battle that's been lost. We can't do that. We just got to decide today we're just going to fight. We're going to keep going for God. Now, the wise man strives to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. God really never tells us to try. He tells us to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, don't get weary in doing good. When you stumble and when you fall, get up. And when you fall again, get up again. And when you get up, get busy redeeming the time. Purchase every moment for God. That's what God says for us to do. There's, I got several illustrations that I'm about done, believe it or not. But Wilma Rudolph, anybody ever heard of Wilma Rudolph? Well, Wilma Rudolph didn't get much of a head start in life. About, uh, 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 with a, uh, she started off her life, she had a uh, polio in her left leg, uh, and her left leg was crooked, and her foot was twisted inward, so she had to wear leg braces. After seven years of painful therapy, she could walk without the braces. At age 12, Wilma tried out for a girls' basketball team, but didn't make it. Determined, uh, she practiced with a girlfriend and two boys every day. The next year, she made the team. When a college track coach saw her during a game, he talked to her and talked her into letting him train her as a runner. Now, this is a woman that had polio and a leg that was deformed and twisted and turned in. By age 14, she had outrun the fastest sprinters in the U.S., 
1956, Wilma made the U.S. Olympic team but showed poorly. That bitter disappointment, listen to this. Watch this now. This is what's so good about this. This is somebody that's faced every kind of adversity that you can imagine, and now she, she trains, and you think, okay, it's a success story. No, she didn't do well. And you know what she did? She had four more years. She said, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work harder. And here's what she did. That bitter disappointment motivated her to work harder for the 1960 Olympics in Rome where Wilma Rudolph won three gold medals, the most any woman had ever won at that time. Now, you know what, that's a physical thing, but but that's really what I used to say all the time, uh, especially to the sailor boys, you know, uh, God uh, used sports in my life to, to motivate me and my daddy, to, uh, both sports and, and working on a farm, motivate me to give everything I had all the time. And to give, not to give 100%, but give 110%. Not to just give 100% on the, uh, during the game, but to give 100% during practice. Uh, to everything that we did, to give it everything I got. And you know what I did? I took that physical training and I took it to Christianity and I decided this. If I'm going to give 110% to pole vaulting or to boxing or to playing football or to playing baseball or whatever I'm doing, I'm going to give 110% to God. We get so insecure in our ability to fight and win the fight for God, but we must understand that the battle is the Lord's. Do away with the insecurity because, listen, if you're in a fight for God, do you understand who you're fighting with? You're fighting with God, with the power of God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, you can turn to it if you want to. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 47 says, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Listen to me. It says David prevailed, but how did David prevail? Through the power of God. Through the power of God, David prevailed. The battle was not won by David, for the Lord is mighty in battle, the scripture says. But the battle would not have been, listen, here's, here's how these two tie together. The, the battle was really not won by David. The battle was won by the Lord because the battle is the Lord's. But the battle would not have been won without David standing to fight. And that's what God's looking for us. He's looking for us just to stand and fight. Amen? Stand and fight. Now, while you're fighting, understand, it's God i got to have his strength. i got to have his power. i got to have his endurance. i got to have his wisdom. i got to have his understanding. i got to have his direction. But he's got to have me stand and fight. Now, I like there's another story where the story is told that Andrew Jackson's boyhood friends just could not understand how he became a famous general and the president of the United States. They knew of other men who had greater talent, but who never succeeded. Boy, have we known those. One of Jackson's friends said, 
why Jim Brown, who lived right down the pike from Jackson, was not only smarter, but he could throw Andy three times out of four in a wrestling match. But look where Andy is now, another friend responded. How did there, that happen to, how did there happen to be a fourth time? Now, this is the question. You know, normally, you'd say he'd beat him every time in wrestling, but he would say three out of four times. Why, why did this friend say three out of four times? Didn't they usually say three times out? Or sure, they were supposed to, but not Andy. He would never admit he was beat. This is what they said. He would never stay throwed. Jim Brown would get tired, and on the fourth try, Andrew Jackson would throw him and be the winner. Picking up on that idea, someone has said, the thing that counts is not how many times you are throwed, but whether you are willing to stay throwed. Amen? It's not that you get knocked down, bless God, it's that you get up and keep fighting. In my worldly days, I, I, used, I had this a philosophy on the ball field, every ball field that I was ever on. People would come up after the game and say, we beat you. And I said, hey, man, you might have beat the team, but you didn't beat me. And if you want to find out, let's go. Because I don't care if the game's over, I'm not beaten yet. Time may run out, but I ain't beat yet. Y'all don't understand that, do you? That's what that man put into me. It's, it's his fault. And I'm a nice guy until I get competitive, <laughs> competitive spirit and then everything's gone. But we may say, face setbacks, but we must take courage and go forward in faith. Then through the Holy Spirit's power, we can be the eventual victor over sin and the world. The battle is the Lord's, so there's no excuse for us to say throwed. You get thrown down, then get up. Every truly successful person has one aspect in common. They refuse to give up. I believe that with all my heart. I didn't, that's not written by anybody else. That's written by me. I just believe with all my heart. That every, every successful, truly successful person, now I understand some people, they appear to be successful because things were handed to them. But I'm saying truly successful people, they had, they had this one aspect in common, they just refused to give up. And, and I, I say also, I believe that most of the time they found no excuses for why they fell or they got thrown and they didn't make any excuses. They simply kept going, kept fighting until the enemy gave up or was defeated. And this is what I believe until this day. I believe if you keep fighting, if you won't give up, whoever you're fighting will. We're all in a spiritual battle for our lives, our families, our homes, our church, our city. We're all in a spiritual battle. Everybody walked in this door tonight, we're in a spiritual battle. We're fighting for our homes. We're fighting for our children. We're fighting for our marriages. We're fighting for our own spiritual lives. Proverbs 24.10, I love this verse, says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. And I love this because if we faint at all, it's because we are fighting in our strength, which is small. You understand, if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. We're not supposed to be fighting in our strength. And if we, God's saying, if you fainted, you were in your strength. You say, I feel like I'm going to give up. I feel like it just can't go on. You're in your strength. You're, in, you're fighting in your strength right now. I plead with you. I beg you. Fall on your face tonight and say, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your strength to continue going.
The strength that we must fight in is the mighty power of God. God will give the power. We must supply the willingness to fight. Now I got one little illustration and I'm done. And this is a a real life illustration, which I have a bunch of. You say, how do you have so many illustrations? I make them up. um, (laughs) No, no. uh, Back at at college uh, here at Memphis State, University of Memphis, uh, they, uh, back then, they had a little boxing tournament there for about two or three years, and, and, uh, and, and I just found out that one of the guys that instituted that boxing tournament, they started it partly because they felt like uh, our fraternity could win because uh, I was part of that fraternity, and he just was convinced that I would be able to, to, to win my bout. Well, I did. Uh, the first year, I won, I won the middleweight, you know, the light heavyweight championship there at, uh, in Memphis, but but. That first year, I did that. The second year, I got ready to uh, gonna do it again, but I'd, I'd uh, messed up my knee, had a hyperextended knee, had a brace on it, and it's time to go. I still ended up fighting in the tournament, but I probably shouldn't have because I had a brace on my leg. And, but, uh, but there was a boy who had watched me fight the first year, and he was a, a pledge, I think, in the fraternity. And he came to me, and, and uh, I, I really don't remember his name. I'm going to just call him Mark, but he came to me. And one day, and we were just, we were at the college, and I was probably at the university center sitting there, and he came to me, and he said, the boxing tournament's here in a few weeks. He said, I want you to teach me to box. I looked at him, and I said, you're crazy. I said, I, you know, I, can, I don't teach anybody anything. You, ha- you, ha- you have to understand, my brother Alex is a coach, and he knows everything, every technique about everything. I know, I know nothing about how to do anything. It's all instinctive. You'd have to be an athlete to understand this. Anything that I went to do, I just saw it and went and did it. I don't know how to coach it because that's all I can tell you. Okay, go do it. That's really not great coaching. But he kept begging me and he kept saying, come on, man, work with me, work with me. I said, we got two or three weeks. What am I going to be able to teach you in two or three weeks? And I don't even know what to teach you. And so he kept begging me. So I said, okay, look. Uh, I'll teach you how to hold your gloves up. I'll teach you how to throw a jab, I guess. You know, I'll try to you know, teach you a little bit about that. But, uh, but man, you're going to get in there and get murdered because I'm not going to be able to get you two or three times but in this next three weeks to even practice with you. How, I can't help you. And I kept trying to discourage him, but he would not be discouraged. Well, finally, we get into the tournament. And, uh, and so I've worked with him two or three times, and he comes in there, and he's totally clueless. I, I mean, this boy just, he doesn't even have natural ability. He's just clueless. And so uh, uh, we get into the, to the ring, or get there at the weigh-ins. When we were weighing in, I looked up, and I, and I saw a kid up there. Now, this kid that's weighing in, I noticed that he's the same weight class as, as Mark, which that made me nervous because this kid's up there, and he's got on all the Everlast stuff, you know, all the bo- he's got the boxing shorts. He's got the he's got the boxing shoes. He's got everything on. And I thought, okay, now, you know, none of us had the money to go buy that stuff. And so uh, I, I went up to him and I just walked up to him and I said, Hey, um, are you you fighting such and such weight? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Have you ever fought before? And he said, uh, My dad's a boxing coach. Called his name and said he's the boxing coach. Has for he said, So I grew up at the ring and I grew up sparring and I grew up in tournaments. And I went, oh, good, that's great, good. Oh, man, you know, I walked away, and, and, uh, and Mark said to me, he said, uh, am I going to fight that guy? I said, yeah, you are. And uh, he said, what do you think? I said, uh, 
God bless you. You know, it's going to be it's, it's going to be great. One good thing about it, it ought to be short. You know, I don't think this is going to last long. And so we got there, and the and and I'm there in his corner, and I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm there in his corner, and and uh, he's there, and the bell rings. He goes out there. I've never seen a kid get his head beat up like that. That uh, this boy out there that uh, he knew how to box, man. He's doing all the. I'm, Muhammad Ali stuff, he's going to be, you know, doing all this stuff. And Mark's like, he's got, you know, he forgot to put the gloves up. I'm like, get your gloves up. You know, he's out there and he's like, and he's just kind of like, when I'm screaming, put your gloves up. Well, he didn't. And finally, the bell rings and I don't know how he survived. I don't know, but he came over and he sat down. He's sitting there and I said, son, look, don't even try to hit him. Just cover up. Just don't let him hit you. You're, you're dying out there. And so he goes back out there, and he tries to pull his arms up, and this guy's just beating on him for, you know, another round. And I said, Mark, you know, we came, he came and sat down. I said, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm a great coach. I'm like, you know, here's some water. Take that. You know, put some aspirin in it. I don't know what to do for you. So the bell rings. And he stands up. I've never seen anybody do this before. But he stands up, and when he stood up, he fell back against the rope. So I'm standing right here. He's the guy against the rope. He's got his arm hanging over the rope. It's just kind of laying up on top of the rope. And I thought, that's not a really great way to take the fight to this guy. He's just standing there. So this other guy comes, and, man, he's, he's coming in. And I'm thinking... I don't even know, I'm not saying anything because right now I'm stunned. He's just standing there. I'm like, what is about to happen here? This kid's going to come over here and he's going to jack his head. I'm going to have to catch his head over here. And that boy came over, and man, he came over, and he came all, man, he was already, he hadn't even been hit in two rounds. He comes over there and he's already just, and right, Mark's just like this, and he goes, From the rope, knocked that boy slap out. (laughs) Knocked him out. I stood there and I thought, what in the world? That's insane. I still, Mark still was like, I'm like, good job, Mark, good job. And he goes, what'd I do? (laughs) I mean, he doesn't even know. Now, there's a bad thing to this he had to fight another fight and that didn't turn out so good but but you know I I remember that I put it in my little book one of my books I don't remember which one it is but that story because that kid should have given up he should have quit and I've likened it to the our fight with the devil anybody here getting beat up by the devil And you know what happens? Round after round, it just seems like he's just pounding you. Just pounding you. And guess what? You in your flesh and your own strength, you don't have the ability to fight against him. But the moment you realize that you have the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you don't throw the punch. I'm not sure Mark even knew he threw the punch. But the punch now doesn't come through you. It comes through God. And even go a step further, he may beat you up for a lifetime. 
But can I tell you, if you know Christ as your Savior, the final knockout punch is coming. When you take your last breath and he's beat on you for the last day, he didn't win. You just won. You won. And that's why I just, I want to encourage you tonight. Tonight, if you've been beat up, and, and I think partly God directed me this way because we've got so much illness. We've got so many people struggling. We've got so many issues that are just, they can become overwhelming. But your eyes are on yourself when they start to overwhelm you because he said, if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. What he's saying is, if you faint, you are living in your strength. But we don't have to live in our strength. We can live in God's strength. And he says his strength, we can rise up with wings as eagles. We can run and not be weary. We can walk and not faint. So tonight, whatever you're going through, I, I just challenge you. I challenge you to just, just take a step back and say, Lord, I'm going to yield to you. I'm asking you for your strength. I'm asking you for your power. I'm asking you, yes, I'll stand, but I need you to fight for me and through me against this enemy. And God can. Not only can he, but he will. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless.